Hello and welcome to another edition of the Reptile Living Room. This is your host, as always, John F. Taylor. And in today's episode, we are actually speaking with Dan Mulary from uh, DM Exotics. Uh, Dan's been in this industry for quite some time now. Uh, seen him at a couple different uh, events or shows, what have you. And I've got to tell you, folks, he's just got some screaming, screaming reptiles. He does some importing and uh, also does a lot of breeding and stuff like that. So today we talked to Dan about uh, basically everything about DM Exotics and uh, what he's doing, what he's working with, and things of that nature. So without further ado, here is Dan Mulary from DM Exotics. We hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, we're on the phone today with uh, Dan Mulary from uh, DM Exotics. And uh, Dan, we've uh, met a couple times at a couple different shows. Um, you've got a definite uh, impressive array of uh, various reptiles that you uh, have come across. And most recently, you went to uh, Thailand, I believe it was. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. I actually went to Thailand, and we did a side trip to uh, Malaysia as well. Oh, very nice. Okay. And uh, now, Dan, originally, uh, when we met, you were um, pretty much doing importing and exporting, and then uh, I found out later that you actually do some breeding as well. Um, as far as breeding, what are you currently working with today? Uh, at the Well... My stock changes quite a bit. I've been I've been breeding for many many years. I was actually a breeder far before I was doing any of the import and export. Oh, okay. But yeah, but at the moment um, I'm focusing on uh, barnex scrub pythons. I have uh, a little bit of jungle carpets. I have a kind of the the standard ball python colony. Madagascar mm-hmm. uh, tree boas. Um, my latest passion is uh, Spilotes. I have some of the uh, high yellow uh, tiger rat snakes that uh, wow. I started a few years ago, and I was able to reacquire those. So I am I'm going full speed with those guys. Awesome. And uh, yeah, and then just some of the oddball stuff that um, you've seen me with at the at the expos and that, just mm-hmm. some of the weird uh, imported Asian colubrids and things. I'm trying to establish a few of those projects as well. Oh, okay. Very cool. Now, how did you first get into reptiles and, at all? You know, uh, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I've been uh, interested in, in animals and creatures and things from from as far back as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just uh, it's just something that started. And uh, I got into uh, keeping reptiles when I was uh, nine years old. I caught my first snake uh, on a camping trip. And my family... Uh, no siblings, no parents were interested in any of that stuff whatsoever. <laughs> that I sort of pushed on them a little bit, and, and it just grew just way out of control. And <laughs> I was an adult; I've, I've never outgrown it. Uh, I'm just as passionate about this stuff uh, as I was when I was young. Awesome, awesome. Now, what what do you think is the driving factor that made you stay with reptiles versus going with you know bunny rabbits or mice or you know something like that? Is there any particular thing uh, that you can think of that made you stick with it? No, I, I can't really put any logical explanation to that as far as, you know, how much time that I had or, or space and that. Uh, now as an adult, of course, you know, I have a full-time job. It's right. not animal-related, so uh, snakes, especially with the slow metabolism, uh, it allows me to keep, you know, a pretty good number of animals and 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 hold them down and, and keep them the way they're supposed to be kept with uh, you know having time off on the weekends and doing my little daily spot cleans and daily checks and that right but when i was a kid you know i have no idea i suppose i could have gone any direction i 
I wanted to, but I was just fascinated with reptiles in general. Right, right. Now, um, is there anyone that uh, inspires you as far as the uh, reptile community is concerned? Um, I, I can't say that uh, I was inspired by anybody, mm-hmm. but uh, back in the day uh, when I was, uh, you know, sort of up and coming or whatever, um, we didn't have the Internet, so the expos and some of the old, old, dirty shops, uh, you know, the way things were way back when, you know, there was always a couple of stores that were around in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, judging those by today's standards, they would be, you know, really bad. But right. uh, in the day, that's just the way it was. And and going in and out of those stores all the time and seeing all that stuff, you know, that, that really got me going. And then the expos started, and I started going to the expos. And uh, Gary Sipperly comes to mind, and some of the other uh, friendlier guys that were a little bit more forthcoming with information, and they saw me as a as a, a young, smart kid that uh, was truly passionate about stuff, and, you know, they sort of grew me up into the hobby mm-hmm. and shared information. Right, right. Now, as far as uh, breeding is concerned, um, what what type of advice would you give to someone who's new to the industry that's, you know, potentially thinking of breeding reptiles? Um, I, As you know, I do the expos, and, and I try to give this advice uh, as much as I can to people right. that I that are, that are coming into it, I always tell them, get involved in the stuff that you are passionate about, because if you're passionate about what you're working with, you're going to put your heart and soul into it. You're probably not going to dump it, especially, you know, like we see so often when people need money, yeah. they start dumping stuff. Um, but if it's something that you really like and you're really passionate about it, then those animals are going to, those animals are going to be with you for a long time you know, much longer period of time, and you're going to be happy and you're going to get more out of it. Mm-hmm. Just buying stuff because it's worth money and you see dollar signs and you think it's going to be a good buy and an investment, so to speak, those are the animals that probably aren't going to be with you long enough for you to even see a return. Right, right. Now, in your opinion, what's the hardest part about being successful in the reptile industry today? Uh, well, there's a lot of egos involved. Um, I see a lot of people just kind of getting wrapped up in, into the whole competitive nature of it and trying to outdo the next guy and all that, mm-hmm. which is to an extent, uh, but uh, getting just way too caught up in it is, in my opinion, not a, a really good way to be. Right, right. Now, um, <clears throat> and again, back to uh, uh, kind of the industry thing, what are some of the um, biggest changes you've seen within the industry since you, you started? Um, well, obviously with the Internet, um, the, the information sharing uh, is just widespread and it's so easy. You know, you just jump on the Internet and, and Google something and you can usually find an answer to your question. And you can self-educate yourself uh, for the most part um, on just about anything. Mm-hmm. So that that's a huge, huge uh, you know, benefit to everyone. And plus, it opens up... Uh, you know, being able to, to buy and trade stock across the country and around the world. Again, not, you know, not that I'm, you know, extremely old, but when I first started doing it, you know, we would pull addresses out of the back of a, you know, mailing address, of, excuse me, mailing addresses out of the back of a magazine. And right. then we would be mailing, you know, self-addressed stamped envelopes back and forth with, with color photographs 
in envelopes trying to do deals that way, and now it's just it's done, you know, within seconds. Right. Computer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I heard about that talking to uh, Bob Applegate and, you know, some of the other folks that, you know, used to do the same thing. You know, they sure. were talking about mailing, you know, you'd send a letter to Malaysia, wait two weeks, you know, and <laughs> You know, a list of animals would show up, you know, and then you, you know, try to get on the phone, and, yeah, it's just, yeah, the Internet's definitely changed this industry a whole heck of a lot. Now, well, as, as far as the um, litigation and its effects on the industry and you personally, um, you know, because about, and specifically about the Python ban or potential ban, how does that, you know, how does litigation affect your, uh, your operation, or does it have any effect at all? Well... Unfortunately, as a as an importer, um, we can be held liable for any mistakes or paperwork slips, slip ups that are done on behalf of the sender. So we oh wow we, yeah we can technically take the brunt of a of a pretty serious uh, problem. Um, you know if they make a mistake on their end, especially if they put something in there that's uh, Protected and it's not declared on your on your paperwork and, and all those sorts of things. Um, so it is a little scary. It's, it's quite a risk. I mean, if somebody makes a big mistake, we're gonna you know as an importer you suffer a pretty big consequence. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, that could be yeah. a <laughs> that can get real serious real fast. Yeah, it, it sure can. And and you know I I do a lot of traveling as you mentioned in the beginning and. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the guys that I deal with, I like to just go over and, and meet people in person, and I like to figure out, you know, what kind of an operation they have going. And I, I just want to deal with reputable people. I'm not, I'm not into it, you know, for greed, so to speak. So it's not like, wow, I can, you know, I can double, triple my money, and I'm just going to go with whoever. This guy's got the best prices, and I'm going to, you know, do an order and bring in a shipment. I, right. I don't like to conduct myself that way. Right, right. And uh, now, how about dealing with the fish and game and all that good stuff? How, you know, is importing and exporting something that, you know, um, people could look into as a profession? Or do you think it's more of a, you know, not really a profession, but more of a, you know, a side thing that you just happen to, you know, be into? Um, in today's day and age, it's probably not something that I would see as profitable and see people, you know, looking to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many new rules and regulations, both domestically here and then in other countries as well. Um, you know, don't think that the other countries' governments are not also imposing rule after rule after rule of, of more and more regulations. Mm-hmm. It's really becoming difficult to do business overseas. It, it's really tough. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and, and it, you know, it's a lot of it is money-based, where, mm. uh, you know, they just start imposing all these uh, all these import fees and export fees on all these different animals and that, and it, it drives the cost up, and it, it's, it's rough. Wow. Okay. Now, as far as um, reptiles are concerned, what are your thoughts on um, crossbreeding or hybridization? Is that something um, that... That you, I, you know, I, yeah, I I see it, and personally, I, I'm I'm not really for it. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple, uh, you know, cross cross readings where you know the 
the offspring look quite interesting, you know, when you're doing like green tree python to carpet python or some of the weird, you know, ball python to, to blood or, some, you know, just some of those really bizarre crosses. Mm-hmm. Um, offspring are, are interesting. Right. Um, I don't think I would, I would be one to, to be going down that road, but, right. uh, you know, captive breeding is captive breeding and, uh, you know, it's just, I guess it just comes with it. Mm-hmm. Any kind of animal that, that you're, you know, breeding, um, there's always going to be that element to it. But, uh, I don't know. It, it's part of me, you know, I'm a little bit torn also. Mm-hmm. I, see, I see lots of different species, you know, within a genus starting to be crossbred and, I don't know if it's been done out of desperation, just to produce something to sell, mm-hmm. so you can make money or what. But um, I don't know. A, a lot of the stuff that's a little bit more obscure, uh, I think it needs to be kept pure, just you know, to preserve you know the the well welfare of that particular species. Right. Very definitely. And uh, now, what as far as the future of the industry, what are uh, what do you think uh, we're looking at? as far as the future of the industry for not only our, uh, yourself, um, but the industry as a whole? Uh, you know, it's, that's a really interesting question. I honestly don't know what we're looking at. Um, it, everybody has been, you know, exposed and, and watching all the, all the different things going on, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, each individual state or, or federally across the country and I don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, everybody has made decisions and done different things. I know guys that have uh, bought up boa boa collections and different python collections because they think, you know, once the ban goes into into effect, they're going to have the market on lock, you know, for right. state. And uh, myself, I've kind of done the other thing where I've gotten rid of some of my uh, larger snake projects just because... Uh, I figure at some point, at some level, whether it's the, you know, in the city or state or federal or whatever, mm-hmm. sooner or later there's going to be some regulations come down that are going to affect me where I live. And so I just thought, you know, let me just move away from this stuff right now, you know, early on. Right. And uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the future holds. I know that uh, at least from the importing and, and exporting standpoint. Things are starting to uh, get a little tighter uh, globally, so I'm not really sure. Okay. All right. Now, um, <clears throat> for anyone that wants to uh, look at your site, it's uh, right there at dmexotics.com, and, of course, that will be in the show notes and what have you. Now, before I do let you go, though, I wanted to ask you uh, a couple more questions in regards to some of the stuff that you're working with uh, sure. personally. Um, as far as the um, rat snakes and stuff like that, I've heard some people say that they can be a little bit nippy, um, as well as the mangrove uh, snakes. What do you? What, what are your personal experiences on those guys? Uh, that is true to an extent. They're a little bit uh, higher strung animal, mm-hmm. but I think the basic rule applies to them just like it does to basically any living creature. Is you kind of give what you get. If you are slow and deliberate and and very gentle. Mm-hmm. Usually, those animals will will respond the same. Um, and if you're a little more showboaty, you want to, you know, swing things around a little bit and say, "Look at this! Look at this!" and be real fast. 
right. and be in your movements, you're definitely going to get the same back. Okay. Um, so, you know, I find myself being able to handle a lot of this stuff and just being able to read the animals and, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, you see me at the shows and, you know, it's not that it's not that bad to pull out big false water cobras and hold them and just be real gentle and people kind of freak out a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, I feel, I feel real comfortable with what I do. I'm not going to do anything, you know, extremely dangerous or, or, right. you know, right. looks, you know going to make me look stupid, but just trying to teach people that, you know, just be, just be gentle. And yeah. Know how to support the animals when you're actually holding them. And usually, you know, you'll have a pretty decent experience. Very cool. But the rat snakes are, are a bit high strung. Okay. And, uh, yeah, uh, it just sort of comes with the territory. But uh-huh. again, if it uh, if it's something that you're truly passionate about and you really like it, then uh, you know that just goes goes with the territory with that particular animal. Right. Well, I have to say the, the Asian rat snakes are just gorgeous snakes. And if nobody's if the listeners haven't seen them, they need to check them out because they, they are just gorgeous animals. Um, never kept any myself. Always kind of been out of my price range, but always admired them from afar, and you know, been jealous of people that do be are able to keep them. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, it, as an importer, you know, being able to import animals myself, I have a benefit of being able to, uh, you know, go through some of the losses that it takes to establish some of that stuff in captivity. Right, right. And once once it's done, and it all boils down to the the good solid stock that's left, and and hopefully someday be able to establish some good colonies of that stuff. Right, right. Now, uh, one last question here, um, and we like to ask all of our uh, all of our guests, if money was no object and, you know, you had everything you needed, what would be the ultimate species of reptile that you would keep, if you haven't done so already? Well, that changes quite a bit. <laughs> I, think, I think it does the same with just about everybody else. I right. Mean, you know, up a magazine or you click on a website and you go, Whoa, that you know, that's the coolest thing on the planet. Right. At least at a certain period in time, I can answer that question right at the moment. Okay. I would love to get my hands on a pair of uh, Mexican uh, tiger rat snakes, the Mexican locality. Oh, okay. A couple, you know, a couple of zoos got them. Uh, production is uh, very limited. Oh, okay. Their heads together and, and, and share some animals to get to breeding projects, but you know. That uh, that's just something that I'm really passionate about and I really like mm-hmm. uh, right now and, and for the last few years. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know what kind of money it would take to get something like that. You know, You're right? Rare. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, Dan. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to be on the show. So there you have it. That was Dan Mulary from DM Exotics. And uh, as we said, you can check him out at uh, dmexotics.com. And the link is right there in the show notes. And we do appreciate your feedback, folks. Uh, we are starting to get a lot of feedback from folks uh, talking about how much they enjoy the show and what have you. And uh, look forward to producing some upcoming episodes with you. We are going to be talking to uh, Tom Housley, uh, talking about why crickets aren't just for lunch anymore. And uh, what they can teach us about evolution and some various other subjects. So, yeah, give us some feedback, leave some comments in the show notes. And we'll see you next week in the Reptile Living Room. Mm-hmm.